Welcome to Roadcase, the podcast that explores the live music experience. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg, and I'll be taking you on a journey through in-depth interviews with performers and key people in the industry to explore the magic of live music, how it can be totally transformative for both fans and performers, and we'll look at how they take it all out on the road. It's going to be a great ride, so here we go. Okay, welcome back to Roadcase, everybody. This is Roadcase 2023, first episode of this new year. I wish you all a happy new year. Hope you had an amazing holiday season. I did, just kind of hung out and relaxed at home, saw a bunch of shows. Uh, it was a really, really great time, and I hope uh, uh, all of you had a really great and happy holidays. I'm so glad to be back, and thanks to all of you for uh, deciding to share an hour or so with me to listen to this amazing interview with Indigo Spark. I'm so psyched that you're here. Thanks for your continued support of Roadcase. So happy to have you along for this amazing ride. So there's a number of different ways you can get involved in the Roadcase community. You can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. The handle's at RoadcasePod. Really helps out if you give us a follow there. If you'd like more information about Roadcase, you can visit our website, www.roadcasepod.com. You can also email us at info at roadcasepod.com. A great way to support Roadcase, and we really do rely on the support of you amazing listeners to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform really helps out the show. Uh, I'll help you out. Uh, if you're on Spotify, there's a little box that says follow right at the homepage of Roadcase. You just click on that. Uh, another popular streaming service is Apple Podcasts. I know a lot of you listen to uh, this podcast on that service. Uh, right up in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see a check mark. Just click that. And uh, you'll subscribe to Roadcase and doing that on both those platforms and other platforms will allow you to get updates as to when new episodes come live. Also, a great way to support Roadcase and really helps out the show is to rate and review this podcast. So on Apple Podcasts, for example, you just scroll up a little bit. You'll see a bunch of stars and a place to write a review really helps out the show. And on Spotify, right, right underneath that follow box, there's a little box with some stars. Just click on that. Really helps out. Like I said, we do really rely on the support of all you listeners to, uh, in order to bring you all these amazing episodes. Really helps out so much. And we've got a ton of great guests in 2023. Can't wait to bring them to you. And uh, by subscribing, you'll find out who those listeners are, or who those guests are. Really happy to have you along. So I've got Indigo Spark on the show for this first episode of 2023. Really psyched to have been able to talk to Indigo. She was out touring with The National over the summer, and I saw her at a show uh, in Indianapolis. Uh, it was just really, really wonderful. Her latest album that came out on October 7th is entitled Hysteria. It was produced by Aaron Desner of The National, who actually joined her on stage for a couple of shows during the set that I saw. Uh, Aaron, as you might know, also produced... Uh, the two two recent albums by Taylor Swift, Folklore and Evermore. Evermore won uh, Grammy for Album of the Year. Aaron's also uh, worked with other artists such as Susan uh, Sharon Van Etten, 
Lone Bellow and Local Natives also produced a Grateful Dead uh, cover album entitled Day of the Dead. And if you're a fan of the Grateful Dead, definitely go listen to that if you haven't yet. Indigo lives in upstate New York. She's from Sydney, Australia originally. Actually told me she took her first steps on the famous Bondi Beach in Australia. She also spent some time in Bali studying yoga and had kind of a near-death experience there, which really changed her life and outlook. Um, Indigo is such a, someone who really, really intensely feels things. It's part of her artistic expression. Uh, you'll know this if you've listened to her latest album. I can't recommend enough. If you haven't listened to it, to go out and check it out. Uh, she is very interested in the mind-body connection. In fact, she uh, underwent an interesting type of therapy called somatic therapy, which I didn't know that much about, but it's sort of this multi faceted uh, body approach to feelings in therapy to get in touch with where you're at and such. And it's really interesting. It makes a lot of sense uh, from what I knew about Indigo. And I learned so much more about that. Uh, so happy to have her on the show. We also talk about her uh, experiences touring and, you know, her, the negatives and positives of that from her own perspective. It's really interesting. And this is a really, really great conversation. She was just an absolute joy to talk to. She's doing some headlining dates in on the West Coast coming up in January. And she's also going out with Nico Case and opening up for Nico and some January and February dates. And you can go to those prospective websites and check out more information about that. Thanks again for being here. I'm so happy to have you along for this ride. And uh, we've got so many great guests coming up in 2023. Can't wait to share all of those interviews with you all. Amazing listeners. Thanks so much for being here. And I want to send a special thank you to Indigo Spark for being here on this episode of Roadcase. And here we go. Hey, Indigo. So happy to see you. Thanks for being on the show. How's it going? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm so, uh, so pleased to have you here. I saw you perform with, uh, with the national over the summer, uh, at, uh, let me see, which show was I at, uh, that I saw you was, I think was Indianapolis, you know, Mm -hmm. one of those big, big summer venue that actually that Indianapolis venue used to be like really small, like it was just grass and there'd be just chairs on the grass on a lawn, even up front, you know, and then there was a lawn and back like it is now. So it was kind of naturally sloped the way it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was super way more casual than it is now. Now, So over the pandemic, as you saw, I don't know if you remember that venue, but they built it out to be, I forget what the official name of is, you know, like the sponsor or whatever. Sorry, who, if you're listening and you're <laughs> with the Indianapolis, the venue people, but um, yeah, wow. Wow. And it was, um, it was spectacular. And I was, um, I mean, I'm a fan of the national. I was so glad that you were there as well. So I could see you perform and it was cool that Aaron came up and played like one or two songs with you too. So yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Oh, that's um, awesome that you made it. Yeah, it was great. Um, really enjoyed your set and you have a new album out hysteria that came out on October 7th. And, mm-hmm. uh, man, it's just really, really amazing. I'm so glad I had the opportunity to just dig in um, dig into that. It's produced by Aaron Dessner as well. So I want to talk about that too. But as long as I just kicked off, like, what was it like touring with the national? How was that experience for you? It was, um, it was pretty amazing. Actually, the, everyone on their team is 
yeah, really, I mean, I think I wasn't totally sure what to expect because mm. they're running such a tight ship. So I was kind of, yeah, I just wasn't sure how it was going to be, especially like post pandemic. Yeah. Like how, that, but, um, how t- you weren't sure how tight it was going to be or like, how yeah, and- <laughs> yeah, just like, you know, how, you know, COVID precautions and like mm. just what the vibe was going to be of people coming out to shows that big, you know, being in shared spaces and, yeah. but, um, it was really amazing. We, we had such an amazing time with them and they're all so kind and funny and yeah, it was really, it was really good experience yeah i had aj faber on the show their tour manager that was um that was fun to hear like from her perspective she's got an amazing oh, awesome. she's got an amazing yeah. story herself about just climbing up the ranks in that in in um in being behind the scenes and organized she's an incredible organizer obviously so many all the tour managers yeah. that's what they do right they just yeah organize yeah logistics. truly so she's yeah. got just an amazing personal story also about how wow she came up in the business so um, what about like from a performance perspective and playing at, at those type of venues and such, but did you, what, what was like, um, thing that you learned, did you learn anything from that or what'd you kind of come away from, from a performance perspective after that experience? It was a really, um, kind of interesting experience. Cause I remember for the first few shows, I, I really wasn't feeling nervous at all. And, um, oh. I, yeah, it was really weird. (laughs) I was nervous that I wasn't nervous. (laughs) Yeah. I think it kind of kicked in like midway through, like after like the first two shows or something. And then suddenly I was like, oh my God, I'm totally like shaking to go out there. (laughs) Um, But I think the whole experience of it, I mean, I was playing those shows trio with the band and um that was really kind of the first run of shows that we had done together and something locked in that was really kind of transcendental and magic Mm. between the three of us playing. So I think that was kind of my biggest takeaway was that, you know, sometimes it's, yeah, kind of really random and indescribable when you get moments with, certain people playing with you and then the songs kind of just play themselves in, you know, the way that they play themselves with Mm. these specific musicians. And um, it just gave me a sense of, uh, well, it offered me kind of like this opportunity to just let go and have fun actually, which was really amazing because I think there's a certain level of anxiety sometimes performing because you want the songs to feel like they feel or sound like they sound on the record. And, but, um, yeah, it was really amazing to just kind of have this experience where I was like, okay, well, not every night is going to be the same and crowds are going to be different, but I know I have like this solid ground of the band and the band was just, we were so locked in. So it was kind of just like, all right, well, here we go. It's just going to be what it's going to be. And I know it's going to be amazing in some way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, I mean, I think if anything, my takeaway was that it really just solidified that that was like how I wanted my band set up to be with those guys. <laughs> mm. So what was that like? Like, I, I think you alluded to, I wasn't really sure where it was going to go, but then you sort of gelled as you went along. Um was that because you guys aren't really you hadn't played with them a lot or you just weren't sort of sure what 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 did you attribute that to? Oh no, I wasn't not sure where it was gonna go. I I think 
that was kind of more my feeling about the tour in general. Like I just, uh, oh, right. you know, like a broad, broad picture kind of thing. But I think um, I've played a few shows, you know, with those guys and rehearsed a bunch. I mean, more than a few shows. But mm. I, um, yeah, I guess, you know, it's just the tour is uh, its own wild beast. And sometimes oh, it's. Yeah. Sometimes it's great and it's amazing and everything falls into place and other times it's really, really hard and yeah. it feels really challenging and shows don't feel great or cohesive and, it, you know, it's, um, it's just hard to know sometimes how it's going to go. Yeah. What do you attribute the fact that you didn't feel nervous? What do you attribute the fact to that you didn't feel nervous at the beginning, a couple of shows? What was, what's, what's going on with that? I actually have no idea. So interesting. Um, I want yeah, to know how to achieve that level of acceptance. Yeah, <laughs> it was um, it was really strange. Maybe it was just that my excitement took over my like adrenaline ang and anxiety in some way. I that's a good. I see that as a good thing. I guess. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's then all of a sudden, it caught up. <laughs> your anxiety caught up with you after a couple shows. Yeah, I, I think so. It kind of like set in and like maybe I started looking up more and being like, okay, there's like actually a lot of people out there. So Right, right. You were in yeah. your body for those first couple of shows and then you just snuck up into your head maybe. And yeah, yeah, I think can, so. Yeah, that can happen. Sometimes yeah. things just happen so quickly and if you don't give it yeah. enough thought, sometimes I think it's like that can be a good thing. Yeah, no, I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So where you're now, you're now in Brooklyn, you're a you're a New Yorker, a New Yorker. Um, a I was, I was in Brooklyn. I was, uh, yeah, a foreign, or a, I don't know what I would call myself, but I'm actually <laughs> upstate now. I'm upstate New York, so ah, okay. living out here in the woods. Oh, when'd you do that move? <laughs> um, I think it was probably like August, July, August, around that time. Uh huh. Uh, what? Yeah. So, did you record at um, Aaron's studio? up there somewhere and that that kind of turned you on to that thing just sort of it's funny you know i actually knew about upstate before even you know working on the album with aaron and had always kind of in the back of my mind had this thought that I, it was somewhere that i would want to move to or live if yeah. i ended up stateside and i did you know I, I mean i love the city and i still go down all the time but I'm a, you know, I grew up on a farm. I'm a nature girl. I was, mm. spent the last many, many years of my life swimming every day in the ocean. So oh my. I think after a certain period of time in the city, I was just kind of like, oh my God, I'm going to go insane. Get yeah. me into some nature. Right. <laughs> so, well, if you're going to go insane, that city is going to make it happen. If you have any inkling of anti-city in you, that city will find that and punish you for it. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> That is a big, that's a big beast. That's a big ass to come into that city. So that must, that in itself must've been a shock to just show up in New York. Um, wow. That's quite yeah. an adjustment from that perspective. Yeah, it was, that was really wild. I think I'm still kind of digesting all the changes that I, you know, have experienced inside of myself and, you know, living in that city. It's really wild. <laughs> journey it brings a lot out right i mean yeah like you're very emotionally aware in touch with 
your shit, like from where I can see. And we're going to oh, figure, thanks. we're going to figure, <laughs> we're going to figure, figure that, out if it's real. We're going to figure out if that's like a real thing or not. But um, so far, that's how I'm feeling. Just reading about you and, um, and listening to your music and looking at the lyrics and um, kind of looking some of, of the videos and understanding like kind of a little bit where you come from. That's the sort of one I want to talk about, but that, mm-hmm. that city, like, there's so much going on. There's so much being thrown at you at every one moment. Was that, how did that feel from just being you in that city coming from where you came from? It was really, really interesting because I thought that I was going to feel incredibly disconnected from my, some sort of, uh, gosh, how do I put this into words? I guess like a deeper, sense of faith or connection to my, you know, spirituality or my sense of, you know, the universe or Mm. some sort of greater faith in something. I thought that that was potentially just going to be knocked out of me. Um, Hmm. And I would be left feeling kind of void in some way but it was I mean I did feel void at certain times in certain moments but I think actually the thing that was more overwhelmingly true at the beginning was that I felt more in touch to humanity than I ever had before actually and (laughs) there's a lot of humanity there yeah (laughs) and and in some way that was like direct access point to spirit and some sort of like sense of spirituality and meaning and so yeah. I spent the first kind of few months walking around just almost like feeling like I couldn't even like keep the tears in my face like they were just like falling out of my oh, eyes man. and it was kind of like this beautiful like I was in a state of like childlike wonder I guess feeling just like beautifully kind of inextricably linked to everything um you hooked into the like, grid. I hooked into the grid. You really totally. did. Like, I can see that. I mean, New York, there's so much. It's like everything's going on at every one moment. Yeah. And if, if you yeah. can, if you're someone that's um, empathetic and takes these things in, it can be extremely mm-hmm. overwhelming. But also, I like your perspective that it seems like you took this like bigger idea of there's so much energy and so many things going on from in from so many different directions that's something that you can feed off of almost it sounds kind of like matrixy almost it it felt matrixy in like a meta spiritual way like not a robot not not like a robot it wasn't it didn't feel robotic and you know um well, in the sense, yeah, that you're yeah. tapping, you're tapping into this other kind of almost universe to just be Dimension. super hyper philosophical and meta about the whole thing. But yeah, totally. I buy it. I buy it. Yeah, I get what you're, yeah. I get what you're saying. I lived there for from like all the night from like eighty nine to ninety nine, essentially. Wow. Yeah. Wow. When I was going to, I started yeah. out going to grad school there at NYU, and then um, wow. actually my first, my first, uh, uh, my first kid was born there in nineteen ninety seven, and um, and then wow. moved to Chicago there after uh, a couple of years after that. But um, yeah. Yeah, so I get it. Yeah, so much going on. Yeah, truly. Um, did it, and it yeah. had did it have an impact on your artistic um, process and creativity? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think it wasn't always like that. You know, I was, I was just gonna say like it didn't last. Like it did that didn't last for 
you know, the whole time that I was there. It was yeah. like that they're the high highs of New York and then the low lows are like, wow. you know, you're literally in the pits of hell just being like, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can say what the fuck. <laughs> okay, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, but, um, yeah, we forgot about those. I forgot to mention those moments too. I had plenty yeah. of those. It's all just, you know, like, at some point, you just don't you just have to just block stuff out after a point sometimes, mm -hmm. right? It's kind of feels sad, but I, I, I really wish I could. I had the capacity to block things out, you uh -huh, know, uh -huh. but I don't. So, yeah, I guess in that way, both of those experiences of New York were incredibly informative in my creativity and inspiring. And, you know, I, yeah, there was a lot of the songs on the new record that I wrote in New York. And, um, yeah, so it feels like it's seeped its way into my skin and bones, that place, and it feels like much of the, the new record is kind of based off of a, a person that I evolved into after moving there. Much of the record was written when I was back in Australia as well in the middle of the pandemic, but then I moved also mid-pandemic to New York. So it was like this evolution of myself and then a lot of the songs were written once I was there. So, mm. um, Well, I, I definitely want to come back to the artistic process because I've got a couple questions about that, but... Um, tell me a little bit about where you grew up. You said you were swimming in the ocean every day. And I grew, I grew up in LA myself. So oh, nice. not, not, I, I, where I live was not necessarily close to the ocean. I, I lived in, in San Fernando Valley. So it was a little bit of a hike, but, um, I definitely tried to get out to the beach as often as possible, especially during the summer. So I can relate to that hundred yeah. um, percent. What was that like for you growing up? And what did that look like that you were swimming every day in the ocean? Tell me about that. <laughs> Gosh, well, yeah, I mean, I I was born in Sydney and grew up kind of there between, you know, like on the coast and mm -hmm. in the city. Um, I remember, like, my mum was telling me that I took my first steps on Bondi Beach. And nice. It's funny now, like, I say to people in Australia sometimes, like, I'm like, Oh yeah, like when when like the new trendy people are talking about being OG Bondi, you know, like they're repping Bondi and right. like I'm like oh, I, I'm OG Bondi and like no 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 I'm like yeah I mean like I took my first steps on that beach <laughs> yeah you right know? right doesn't get more OG than that <laughs> yeah. from a personal side yeah for sure yeah totally but um yeah so I just was brought up in the ocean you know and my dad used to take me swimming every day and my you know throughout my teens and then. Once I finished high school and, um, like, college or university or whatever, I mean, I wouldn't really call it either of those. I went to acting school for three years. But after that, mm -hmm. I moved to Byron Bay. So I was, you know, living on the beach there and just swimming. Is that Cindy area, quote-unquote? It's, yeah. it's, um, it's about nine hours north of, Sydney. Oh, so that would not be and, Sydney area. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, driving, driving nine hours. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It's north. So, yeah, no, it's, it's, um, geez, that's like the difference like between a, LA and San Francisco, even long, even far. Yeah, out. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Totally. Yeah. Uh -huh. So it's kind of like, used to be like an old hippie town and now it's like much more gentrified and it's become really different. But the beaches there are just like 
spectacular. Phenomenally, yeah, just beautiful. And I was swimming all the time there. And so my, yeah, my ritual, my routine was like very much revolved around, yeah, being in the ocean every day. Yeah. So that was like after school, uh, like you had already finished like high school or or college or whatever you did. You said you went to high school or acting acting school. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So you hung out there, played, were you playing music or... Um, what did that look like for you from a musical perspective? I guess I was starting to play music at that point. I had kind of like, uh, I was kind of living between Bali and that area, Byron Bay. And mm-hmm. I had gone to Bali, um, to do my yoga teacher training and ended up just kind of living there on and off for the, for the years to follow. Um, <clears throat> Living and I guess ba- in Bali on and off? Kind of between. I would just like kind of go back and forth a bunch. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, so I was starting to sing at that point, I guess, around that time. Yeah, I was making music, but not like really seriously. I was just more doing it because it was the thing that gave me breath and life and joy. Mm. And um yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know when the point was that when it really started to turn for me that I w- was taking it more seriously. But anyway, that's a different thought trail. Yeah, we'll get in, we'll get into that. I'm sure you'll remember. But you, were your parents um, musical? Yeah, my mom uh, is a jazz singer and does choirs and my dad plays guitar uh, but he he's not so much in the music world at all but i think he he wishes that he was ah, <laughs> it's okay. the, the thing that he always wished wished he did uh-huh and isn't your name inspired by like have a musical inspiration basis or yeah something? they named me after a duke ellington song called mood indigo so oh, nice very much, very much in the jazz world. That's totally cool. I wish I could say that, but Josh was just a biblical name. That sounds, (laughs) Joshua sounded good to my parents. So there you go. It's not a bad name. (laughs) No, that's okay. I'm living with it. Not as cool as indigo though. Like not a color. I mean, come on, you know, (laughs) doesn't get better than that. But wait, hold on though. Cause we talked about this a little before we started recording, but Bali and yoga, talk to me about that yoga teaching. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. What a crazy, that was such a crazy, crazy period of my life. I went to kind of, yeah, I mean, I went for a few different reasons, which I don't need to go into, but I went to do my <laughs> yoga teacher training want. and like, no. <laughs> um, and um, midway through the training, I ended up getting really sick actually and ended up, and ended up in hospital, which oh, there. Yeah, Ooh. in Bali, I got it was like, and I really like nearly died. It was pretty, oh, shit. It was pretty what, what severe. Happened? I got an amoeba, which is a single cell organism parasite that ended up getting into my bloodstream and started attacking oh, my organs. Fuck. Yeah, it was so intense. So I kind of. You think it was like, like a bug, like actual insect thing, or like you got bit, or was it like something you eat? Do they know? It doesn't matter. I was just curious. I don't know. I think amoebas can get into your system many different ways. And yeah, yeah, I yeah. wasn't really wearing shoes at that point ever. So 
I guess and it's, that, you know, it's, I wouldn't know about that. Like, it's like, I'm not yeah. the barefoot person, yeah. but huh, okay. Got a little um, feel the, for how you're living out there. Yeah. Jesus. So that sounds kind of, serious. Like in a hospital. Holy shit. Yeah. It was really, really intense, but I, you know, I, it was, um, it was kind of another one of those mind bending, eye opening experiences. Like when I first moved to New York, like I, my brain and like everything just kind of opened in a way, wow. I think. Uh-huh. Like, I guess there's a similarity to, you know, when you're, when your body is, when you put your body or yourself into a, an experience that requires you in some capacity to be in flight or fight mode. Mm. And then you're having to kind of draw all your energy into just persevere through to survive. Yeah. There's like a humbling process that happens where your ego kind of gets beaten out of you. Where you're just like, all right, motherfucker, like you're, right. <laughs> you're just yeah. human. Your mind you're, does not you know, exist. Your body's taking control now. And yeah. You have nothing to say about it if you want to survive. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's to be like, oh, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is that that's almost got to be liberated. Like I've fortunately I've never been on that edge of sickness, you know. Mm-hmm. But people are talked about that fight or flight thing. Like I kind of want to know that my body's going to have that reaction if the time came for a serious illness. I'm just going to sort of take it on faith that my human body is like the same as everybody else's. But yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah, that's interesting. That yeah, th- you came away kind. Of, what'd you come away with? I think in some ways I came away with the same feeling that I was describing about when I first moved to New York. It was like Mm. this inexplicable, like luminescent gossamer thread of connection to all of consciousness and every kind of living thing where I felt like I was at one with the universe. (laughs) All you had to do was get an amoeba in Bali. (laughs) Totally. I mean, yeah, Jesus, I make it sound so wanky, but it's like, I don't wanky. know how else that sounds put insanely it, put it poetic. Into words. Indigo. Yeah. That's like, that's amazing. Wow. Um, why, why did that feel like that? Tell me a little, just a little bit more about that. And how did that change just, your perspective? Yeah. Well, I think when you face death in some capacity mm-hmm. in yourself or quite literally someone you know dies, then, mm. you know, grief changes your value system and your lens of how you view the world and all these things that seem so significant and monumental become so insignificant and you know really you start to realize all the small things and all the simple things and all the things that just sing with so much love you know and I remember it had been a week that I'd been in the hospital and I'd kind of come out of my wherever I was because I was in a pretty altered mind bendy state and um eventually the nurse said okay I think you're relatively stable enough let's go outside I'm going to put you in the wheelchair and I'll walk you around the block of the hospital so they kind of got my drip all you know my catheter and all the things I was hooked up to sorted and we went and she put me in the wheelchair and went downstairs and we just walked around the block and um it was like I just remember seeing the light 
through the trees and being absolutely blown away by the beauty of it. Like it was like taking my first breath or something. Like wow. I was like, wow, this is this is life and love and beauty and everything else is so irrelevant and redundant on the journey of what it is to be a person who chooses love and grace continuously. Like it can be as simple as this moment, you know, but we make it so complicated with our minds. And I think my mind just like melted out of my ears on yeah, the hospital this was bed. Like a re- talk about the matrix. You went, went all through the machine and got spit yeah. out on the other end. New. So yeah. It sounds like, like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a really wild experience. That's really deep. Did that change you going forward? It did for a period of time, and mm-hmm. then you know the world seeps back in. <laughs> yeah, then you just completely get fucked up again, and like you have to deal with all again. the same shit. <laughs> you know, you have to put your armor back on and be like, "All right, right, okay, right." That was beautiful, it's, but now I gotta just yeah <laughs> <laughs> march forward in the seemingly right. unending march of time. No, I don't right. Know. It's it's okay. really it's something that I'm grappling, trying to understand, and I've been grappling with for a long time. Is like, okay, how do I find the balance point between two, like how do I, and I think Brené Brown talks about this actually where Mm. she says um, soft heart, strong back or uh, Mm. soft front, strong back or something like this. And she talks about keeping the walls up, but they're fences and they're not big solid walls and keep your heart open, but keep your back solid. And yeah, know who you are, know who you are deep inside, but also be aware of the fact that you do have to deal with things. But you don't lose yeah, that like, soft inner core, kind of. Yeah, if that's like what don't you harden, don't let the world harden you, and and so I, uh, yeah, it's something that I'm think, been thinking a lot about because I feel myself oscillate between like being a soft shell crab and then <laughs> you know being like <laughs> right, being this, a, tor- like, a tortoise, bi- bionic bunny that's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. yeah. It's a tough balance. I love Brene Brown. I don't listen to her enough, but yeah. um, what have you have you read? What have you read recently or listened to? She does some great talks. And <sighs> actually, you know, I haven't listened to anything she's done in about six months or so. But uh-huh. um, I I have read a few of her books. I can't remember off the top of my head now. And listened to a few things. And, yeah, you know, I'm in and out of in and out of podcast world i listen to a lot of on being podcasts uh-huh oh yeah 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 i think that's maybe why i listened she's she was on one of those right i think i think she was yeah 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 Yeah, that's interesting like having that soft inner part but having to kind of deal with the outward stuff i mean i focus a lot on head and body you know trying to be more in the body out of your head I think that those are the, they're kind of parallel tracks. I think, you know, that you, mm-hmm. you have to recognize what's inside of you. Sometimes you got to be in your head to function, but don't let that get out of, don't let that let you get off your track. Right. Totally. Yeah. 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 It's like, can be a bit of a war between the head and the body. And yeah, this is really all the stuff that I'm, it's like the most pertinent stuff that I'm thinking about at the moment, actually. Is it? Yeah. Okay. How yeah. so? Um, well, I guess I, I do somatic therapy work. I have a somatic therapist and the somatic therapy is based on every feeling, everything in the body. So it's not like talk therapy so much. It's not, um, 
It's not that I'm recounting a narrative or what happened in my day or what happened in that uncomfortable disagreement that I had with that person or that beautiful moment that I had with that person. It's like, what am I feeling in the body? Where am I feeling it in the body? Mm. And perhaps, you know, I might talk for a little bit and then she'll say like, oh, let's use that um, as an access point. That, that part, what is that part feeling? And maybe that part that's expressing the story is feeling like a lot of shame or a lot of like excitement and, you know, oftentimes it's the feelings that we associate with a negative, like they're negative to us in our mind. So mm-hmm. like shame or anger, rage, sadness, you know, uh, stagnation, disassociation, like these, these are all things that usually we have like a negative uh, relationship to. Mm. And then, you know, it's really about feeling where those parts live in the body and being with them and talking to them and letting them kind of giving them space to exist, Mm -hmm. giving them space to feel, giving, you know, so you're kind of having this conversation with younger versions of yourself or or parts, parts, essentially parts work that's kind of falls under the umbrella of somatic work. So Mm. it's like a lot of meditation and uh, meditation kind of like, yeah, you're, you're having a conversation and getting information from this kind of part that is probably feeling rejected by you, <laughs> you know, cause we don't want to feel these uncomfortable feelings. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Right. Right. So she's so, like walking your, your, your therapist. I said, she, I don't know. Uh, the therapist yeah. uh, is walking you through that, um, that process to get to that point. And you're like lying on the ground or something, or it's sort yeah, of meditational or whatever. Yeah. Could be sitting, could be lying. I don't know why I thought be, like lying on the ground. That's just yeah, a good I mean, place for me to be when I, if I'm, honestly, if I was doing that. <laughs> yeah, no, well, that's what she suggests. She's always like oh, yeah. lying down is the best, the best thing yeah. for you to do because your body can actually just Yeah. You don't have to hold it. yourself up in any way. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you know, it should be an easy process. It's not because as humans, you know, it's, it's can be really intense to feel feelings in the world. <laughs> so yeah, we push them sure. away. <laughs> so how'd you get into that? What it's, and by the way, that's like so interesting. Holy shit. Thanks. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. it's like a whole kind of somatic movement that is starting to right. like really get popular now. And like, yeah. it, but it's been like a slow thing, I think. Cause it's, right. um, yeah, I well, guess. So now the so it, now the pressure video um looks makes a lot more sense. It's like it's very right. dancey and artistic and use your body so beautifully to express yourself mm-hmm. um makes sense now. I mean not that yeah. it didn't before, but knowing this, I guess it adds a different layer to my understanding of that. Yeah, definitely. I guess like we were using the communication that I have with certain parts of myself as, mm. you know, a jumping off point to get those kind of like different moments in the the music video and yeah yeah, this is not like by any means also this kind of parts work it's not like multiple personality disorder it's like oh you said it not me i wasn't even going there but let's go there just to anyone listening i just want to make sure that i'm like explaining this correctly oh why does that yeah (laughs) why do people confuse that i had i wasn't going Uh, there at all but that doesn't mean i think when you talk about multiple parts existing within a person Oh, well, you know, I kind of took when you said parts, I sort of took it literally. And because we were already talking about feelings, I just I assumed multiple feelings. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. 
So maybe you yeah. want to say multiple feelings. I don't know. Multiple feelings. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm not going to. No, I'm just joking. You say whatever you want. Um, but wow, that's so interesting. How did you get into that? Was like regular therapy or kind of your own meditational work? Like not assuming you did that. I'm, I don't know mm -hmm. why I'm making that assumption. I probably safe assumption, but was that like not getting you there? Were there other things that you felt you needed to explore? Did someone turn I you guess on it, to this? Or Yeah, I guess it wasn't getting me there. I'd been in therapy my whole life you know, on and off for my whole life, kind of talk therapy, different things, I, you know, and, um, yeah, someone, a period in my life kind of actually right before the pandemic or around that time had suggested, oh, like, why don't you try this woman? She does somatic therapy. And I was like, I really don't know what that is fully, right. but it seems to be the most kind of transformative therapy and experience that I've had with one-on-one -on -one kind of work like that. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think it's phenomenal actually. I've been really thinking about doing, you know, some of this somatic training because it's kind of like uh, that world of health and wellness is something that I've always dabbled in and I'm very interested in. And I think, you know, I'd love to somehow merge that world of somatic work and music you know i think it could mm. be really really special well, i think you've done that quite a i mean uh yeah i don't mean that in a practical standpoint but it yeah. feels like um you know looking at your album and understanding trying to understand where you're coming from and looking at how many different emotions you have you elicit through that album and that you um uh what you talk about in the lyrics in, in, in hysteria as a whole and so many mm -hmm. different levels of emotion that you've gone through, love, loss, grief, rage, um, emotional state overall, it, it's sort of like those seem like parts also. So I just think it trying to tie really, that all together, yeah. it does, it does sort of make sense. It was super, it was really heavily influenced by my work that I was doing mm. with my therapist for Interesting. sure. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, wow. And you were going through a breakup at the time, I guess, as I understand it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just kind of everything. Is there anything else that you can pile on Indigo? <laughs> or that I mean, can be piled onto you? I really think about it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Out of wow. the top of my head, yeah. Wow. Um, so you were back and forth from uh, the States and Australia writing those, and I understand um, – you had met Aaron at the Eau Claire festival or, or up in Eau Claire at some point. I assume mm -hmm. I, I read that. I assumed it was like one of the festivals there. I think the last one they did was like 2018 ish. I want yeah. To say. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh -huh. And so t tell me you, you contacted him. Was it something that you were like, Oh yeah. Was that a difficult ask for you to do? What did that, what did that look like for you? Well, I mean, my manager at the time had, a long kind of like an old relationship with him and I had said look I've got a really strong intuitive feeling that Aaron should do this record and yeah. I don't think he was too sure that that would work out because of the demand that Aaron was in and yeah. the work that he was doing with Taylor Swift and I think they were I think at that point they were nominated for the Grammy and I don't think they had won yet but mm -hmm. there was still a lot of hype around him and yeah and I was like, no, no, I just have a really strong feeling about this, a really mm. strong intuitive feeling. Let's just reach out. So he wrote to him and said, yeah, he's down to chat to you. And um, we got on the phone and had a really good conversation. And 
then I sent him a Dropbox folder with a bunch of kind of demos and yeah. seeds and songs and and yeah, just kind of went from there over the course of a year. So it was um I don't know that it was ever it was actually that I felt more nervous after we had agreed to work together than before. <laughs> before I kind of was just like, no, I have a feeling this is gonna work out. And then yeah. when he said Yes, and we started working together. I think it's like it's funny, isn't it? When you have something, it became you real. Get, you get scared you're going to lose it. You know, I'm like, oh my god, is this actually going to go through? Is this, is this, you know? Oh, and I was kind of like doom and gloom for a second, like waiting for something to go wrong to like knock it over. But it. Yeah. Well, you had demos that you sent to him, apparently, I guess, mm -hmm. and um, yeah. so that that must have been nerve wracking. Like wait, like apparent. I mean, I would assume you had to wait to hear back from him. I, I don't even really remember actually exactly what I was feeling at that point. I think I was a bit nervous, but at one point I went there and um, we just sat down together and we went through and listened to them all together. And that felt really good because, you know, it was some like this shared experience that we could have. And so there was, there was like up in his, up in the studio mm -hmm. up there. Uh -huh. Yeah. At Long yeah. Pond. Yeah. Uh -huh. And so, yeah, you could share. Yeah. So, yeah. So what was that like? It was um, just really exciting, actually. Yeah. I think it was really exciting um, to to go through the songs and to hear them kind of with fresh ears from his perspective and, like, it gave, gave me clarity on which ones I was feeling really excited about doing with him and then hearing which ones he was feeling more excited about. And, mm. yeah, it was a really, really cool experience to do that. Yeah. Tell me about the name. I want to talk more about the songs and, and kind of your feelings and experience and those coming to life and playing those live. But I wanted to, before I jumped into that, I just wanted to ask you about hysteria and the name. Um, the Greek word is from uterus or womb in, in Greek, I guess, right? Um, mm -hmm. I just know it from like hysterectomy, the yeah. medical procedure. Um, but what, so t just tell me about the etymology and how, how you came to that. Well, it's interesting because, like, you know, hysteria was something that the doctors used to treat by doing hysterectomies because these right, women yeah, were yeah, 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 and the connection as, that it's like some crazy word and then it's yeah. associated with a female body part. It's like that's yeah. fucked up in itself, sort of. Yeah, that, that's evolved I mean, into it, that. It's just like so archaic and like came from yes, yeah, such a like narrow-minded kind of. Oh, patriarchal kind of church or maybe not even the church but yeah I guess I mean like you know it was these women who were had a deeper sensitivity to feeling life and feeling you know empathy and they were yes this this hysterical kind of expression of feeling was seen as a negative thing and then therefore they were you know part of their body was taken out which was yeah. seen to i don't know sedate that feeling or something I, I don't really understand it fully but um yeah honestly it was really interesting because the, the word or the title of this record really again it kind of came to me in like an 
a subconscious moment. Mm. It wasn't that I was like actively looking for a word or something to represent um, this feeling or expression that I was trying to articulate through my mm. music. Um, but it was really wild that that was what the etymology or the history of that word was. And it felt so kind of poignant and parallel to mm. what I was experiencing in many ways, which was that as, you know, a young woman, I was feeling from a lot of my life history and just, you know, being a woman in the world that I couldn't, I couldn't freely express. I couldn't truly be celebrated if I was feeling to the breadth of, you know, what I was feeling. Like it wasn't, it mm. was kind of, demonized or just like you know like a lot of like this resistance or people feeling like it's too much or something or you know it's um yeah it just didn't it, it had really a, a lot of it had come from like personal relationships that I'd had with certain people and one in particular when I was a lot younger um and it really was a very much a parallel kind of story to this, you know, the history of the word. So, yeah, um, yeah, what, a word that holds a lot of weight. And I think that part of that, you know, the album and that using that word was about me reclaiming that, not just for myself, but for women in general. Because, you know, now we're moving more into a society and a, and a time and place where women are celebrated and encouraged to express, like, the fullness of their feeling um, right, through right. art and whatever expression it is that they choose to express through. Yeah, yeah. So putting that name, let me see if I get that straight. You, you, you correct me, of course. Um, so putting that name out there, not only invites questions about what the name is right mm -hmm. um and you can talk about that it's not about being hysterical it's it's about feeling emotions and um has have is is that sort of what you were thinking about like a, trying by by creating an album with that title that's so emotive in so many different ways in so many different directions and tracks and um that you're able to assign kind of a new um, definition, if you will, or a new feeling to that word, not to mix metaphors, but kind of a new, um, a new way of looking at that word is, would, would, yeah. am I kind of on the right track there? Yeah, I think so. Uh -huh. Yeah. 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 I think that's, that's on the right track. Or yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. So what I, one thing I read was really interesting is that, you know, you, you talked about coming i've heard you talk about coming to ownership of big feelings which now makes a, a great deal of sense to me but it was was i also read like it was sort of like very emotional for you to go through those feelings once again in recording the album with aaron um creating the tracks as they existed ultimately um how did they take on new life for you putting it on the album I think it was kind of um, more of an exciting thing, like it reframed a lot of 
mm. um, my feelings and maybe I think there was only one day that I really remembered feeling kind of moved emotionally to the point of tears because I was thinking about something and talking a lot about something with Aaron. Um, but more so I was just kind of so excited to be in the space working on the songs with him and giving them life and breath of their own that I was, uh, you know, I wasn't like dwelling in a state of kind of heaviness the whole time. Right. Um, how about how they yeah. took, did they take on a new life when you began to perform them? Yeah. It's like they came alive again in this whole other way. Like there was just, there's just such an immense sense of joy playing them live, which uh, is really interesting. Yeah. Tell me about that. What it's like. It's, I, I don't really I know would imagine I, like putting those emotions out there, just period into the world, like not in a studio is one thing, you know, you're there, yeah. Aaron's a couple other people, maybe, you know, you're putting these things out there, you know, that's kind of your poetry and you're in a room, you're being creative in the way that you know mm -hmm. how putting them out to, to a bunch of ostensibly strangers out in a performance environment. That's gotta be quite something. Yeah. It's, um, for such a deeply felt, um, album that touches so many different areas in such a real deep way. It's one thing to just yeah. say grief and say loss and say breakup, but it's another one. The way you approach it is just really extraordinarily deep and, and beautiful. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some days I don't feel like singing them. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> true. Yes. Yeah, sometimes I when I have some show. Yeah. Sometimes when I have sh like, a show. Fuck, I got to do that song again. Yeah. I was like, I, I just... I'm like, I don't. How do you get like through that moment? Yeah. Take a deep breath or have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't mean tea here, folks. Yeah. Well, maybe we, we do. do. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, some, some nights, some nights tea does the trick for yeah, sure. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I guess I just have to. At that point, I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for someone else. And mm. I have to be selfless about it. Yeah. Is there like a level of disembodiment you have to achieve at some point? Do you kind of, yeah. do you beat yourself up over that? Like, oh, I, I've just got to sing this and I, I have to be disembodied about it or else I'm going to just like fucking be a puddle on the ground or something. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes I feel really uncomfortable about that. And then I come out of it and I'm like, what just happened? Was that just fucking awful? It felt awful. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And mm. then you just like, I mean, yeah, what am I going to do? Cry about it for an hour or just like get over it? I, yeah. You know, when you're in the movement and flux of tour, you just kind of have to like take a deep breath and keep taking steps forward. Yeah, because you have a very reflective kind of... Um, uh, quiet presence on this uh, on stage at moments, and I'm thinking, you know, she's feeling this pretty deeply, you know. And I think people are mm -hmm. accepting when you get up there and you're 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 you are getting these emotions across in a in a in a really beautiful way. And I think that's that's incredibly admirable. That's why I do what I do because I think that is just so fascinating and so mm -hmm. incredible that performers get up there and do that in front of so many so many people to express themselves in a in a in a forum. Mm -hmm like a live performance setting. Um, yeah. yeah, it's gotta be difficult. Yeah. It's, it is amazing. I really admire 
any artist really who's out on tour and singing songs night mm. after night. It is just no, it is not an easy thing at all. Mm. I think I was disillusioned by what it was going to be like touring as a touring musician and maybe especially now post-pandemic, I'm just like, wow, I, yeah, have such deep, deep admiration for people who have been doing this for years and years and years. Well, when you say disillusionment, that means kind of that you had one thing in your mind that it was going to be like, and it ended up to be something else. What are those two things for you? I think in my mind, I thought it was going to be number one, something that was going to make me money. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I'm not, I don't mean like a lot of money. I just mean like enough money to, you know, like not be stressed about paying rent or putting some savings away to buy a house or, you know, buy groceries and get health insurance. Like, I mean, basic things, you Mm. know. Um, And I think maybe it was more lucrative before the pandemic, you know, in Mm -hmm. some ways it was. things are just more complicated and difficult now. The world has changed. So, um, and I think I thought that it might be more energy giving than energy draining. And I think that my understanding of that was just disproportionately matched in some way. Um, What I mean by that is that it is incredibly rewarding. but that I'm just talking about the shows and the interaction with the audience. Yeah, yeah. Everything else is completely annihilating. <laughs> so for me anyway, um, I just think like <laughs> being in that much flux and movement and lack of sleep and, yeah. you know, there's just so much energy expend- expenditure. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That it is, you know, I, I likened to her the other day. Uh, I was talking about it to someone and I was like, you know what touring is like for me anyway? Touring is like doing a Vipassana meditation course. I don't know if you're familiar with what that is, but I no. did one once. No, okay. what, what, did you, what so, kind of meditation is it? It's called Vipassana. And Vipassana? I'm like, oh, okay. V, it's V-I-P-A-S-S-A-N-A. Vipassana. Vipassana, okay. Yeah. And it is um, an 11-day silent meditation course. Oh, shit. (laughs) No telephones. No no talking. No books. No talking. uh, And you're with other people. Yeah, male and female separated. And you meditate about 19 to 20 hours a day. You wake up at like 4 And you can't say anything to anybody else. No eye contact. That's 11 days. That's a long time. 11 days. They had so. Yeah, wow. Jesus. Every day I would wake up and I would hear the gong. And if anyone listens to this who's done for Pasna, they'll just like. They'll know. This will take them straight back there. But you wake up and you hear the gong. A bunch of people having flashbacks you, out there. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you get up and you walk to the hall and whatever it is, and you sit down for your first session and yeah, like, okay, all right. You know, and a um, couple of hours go by and, you, and then breakfast and then, you know, you're having multiple sessions a day. And um, by the time you get to midday, you're just – thinking, I cannot do this. I cannot do this. I'm, I cannot 
sit still. I cannot sit with myself. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot, I just cannot. Yeah. And, um, and then at seven o'clock, roughly every night, there's a discourse or a satsang by the teacher whose name is Goenka. Mm-hmm. And he gives this sermon, which is recorded. He's passed away now, but he gives this speech, um, which they play. And you you watch this man talk who has just got this like radiant lightness of being and this kind of humor where it's almost like he's laughing at your mind for doing all the stupid things it's doing. (laughs) And you're sitting there and you're just like, how does he, how is everything he is saying? How is everything this man is saying addressing something I am feeling or questioning about myself or existence? How is he, how is this recording from however many years ago speaking exactly to me? And then you wake up in the morning and you think, I, I don't know if I can do this again, but at least I know, you know, and then I don't know if I can do this again. And then you get to seven o'clock and you'd have the different, you know, a different discourse with the same man and you think, all right, I can do another day. So that was really for me, like when I had that realisation that it was like touring, I was like, oh, my God, yeah, it is. Because, you know, you wake up in the morning, you think, I don't know if I can do another day. And then you get to the end of the day and you do the performance and you interact and you have this shared experience of life and love and grief and being alive and then you're like okay i can do another day you know ah interesting yeah yeah (laughs) so it really was great to be out there to perform apart from yeah because we sort of went on these parallel tracks of like money and just energy suckage but um but at the end of the day it really is something that that you want to do that you feel there's that that you were really that you were into putting it put putting yourself out there at the end it's a hugely rewarding, you know, uh, experience. Like it's really nothing quite like it. It's beautiful. It'd just be great if all the other bits weren't so hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I hear so much. I mean, it's, it's super, it's just incredibly difficult to do that. It's a grind going from city mm-hmm. to city, from stage to stage, setting up, breaking down the emotional impact that it takes on you as a performer Yeah, is, um, is intense. How long does it take? Does it take you quite a while to wind down after your performance? Yeah, Generally? it does. Yeah. yeah. And after tour, it's definitely, it's like a massive recalibration to feeling like a normal human again. Cause it's yeah. also just such an alternate reality of existence. Mm-hmm. So you like, it's just not, it's, yeah, it's a very strange. It's a it's very strange the whole thing. Yeah, and I mean, we talk about we're talking about mental health. I mean, that's it's a big deal on tour. Also, just kind of keeping your shit together. What are the kind of the things that you had to do to make sure that you stayed centered and and whole? Honestly, I'm still trying to figure that out because there were moments where I felt like I was losing my mind. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think you know, just having little rituals and taking space to go for a walk in nature and time to just be quiet. And I think for me anyway, like, like I'm starting to realize like, Oh, it doesn't work for me to be able like have family and friends come backstage. That's just too overwhelming actually. So it's just like little things that you can do to damage control and protect your energy levels, you know, which is right. kind of the main thing for me. You had to look out more for yourself. You didn't want to like play, entertain, like entertain people backstage. Yeah. It's yeah. just too hard. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so those are all the downsides of touring. So where are you going next? <laughs> Dog touring. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, where am I going next? Well, metaphorically, energetically, who knows? Quite literally, I'm going on tour again, um, doing some shows opening for Nico Case and some headline shows on the West Coast, I think, and mm-hmm. then back to Europe and hopefully try and figure out recording in the next album in the next year. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, um, I don't know who knows. <laughs> yeah. Um, new material sort of what, what's kind of what's on your mind these days. And there's just, what's in that amazing mind. Like where are you, what's, what's grabbing your attention these days mm. in terms of like your direction, where are you headed? Oh gosh. You know, I have like bursts of inspiration. Um, Lately I've been thinking a lot about, uh, well, I guess what it is to be a woman again, still in some ways, similar theme, but Mm -hmm. motherhood, um, Mm. you know, and what, that looks like from all different angles um as i'm in that you know period of my life or that age bracket where you know you're supposed to start thinking about if that's something yeah. you want to do or not because you have a biological clock to yeah how old are you i turned 32 this year oh yeah so. that's that that's the age <laughs> yeah <laughs> are you thinking that's a direction you want to go is that something that's interesting to you or something having that a i'm thinking thinking about a lot because it's something that I really want to do. Mm. Um, and it's not something I see very often in the music industry. And so I've really been looking at and admiring female artists, uh, musicians who are doing that or who have done that. So, you know, uh, Nais Mitchell, mm-hmm. uh, Sharon Van Etten, mm-hmm. uh, Mimi, who just passed away, you know, looking at yeah. the legacy that she created, uh, you know, and how brave and monumental her journey was, you know, having children and doing that with her family, making yeah. music with her family. That is just, I mean, phenomenal. Having a good Absolutely part. Phenomenal. I think a commonality is like most of the artists, I all the artists that I know that have kids that are, that are, that are touring artists have a strong, great partner that that helps them with that yeah absolutely generally someone that's at home yeah 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 yeah. it's not um but it is interesting i've been thinking about how you know there's not a lot of women uh who have children actually in the music industry you know in in the in Looking at everybody, yeah, it's a lower percentage of women that, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, who, who, I mean, like, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of women who have children who are making music, but I mean, uh, unfortunately, I'm talking about like, you know, uh, consistently touring yeah, musicians, yeah, subset of actively some, touring musicians, yeah, yeah level yeah. of success or recognition, which I hate right. to use those labels, but I'm just like, is it possible to do both? Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, when when you go out next year um, and 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 these West Coast states that you already have in place, um, those are headlining tours for you. Uh, summer support, summer uh-huh. headline. Uh-huh. Yes. Cool. Yeah. How's that differ for you? Is it you, do you like headlining? Is that fun? More pressure? Less? Uh, 
I don't know. It really depends. Mm-hmm. It, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I haven't fully figured that out yet. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, apart from seeing your name at, top, at the top place on the marquee. Yeah, right. Which has got to well, be nice. That we can just, we can, we can talk about that. That's got to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you're like in upstate New York. That's cool. Loving it. It's and you like said you're, com- you said you're coming down to, uh, you come down to the city from time to time. Yeah. I come gotta down get that like, city fix, right? Once you yeah. get it, you got to hook into the grid, got get your energy the and grid. then get the hell out. See my friends, go yeah. to some shows. See you some shows. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite venue in New York? Oh gosh. I don't know. There's so many good venues in New York, but I mean, I love, I love going to shows at public records. I love mm. that place. Oh, okay. It's really fun. Or just actually, I love the owl. I think the owl is like this tiny, you know, do you know the owl? I Have haven't been, been there, there now, but I think we're oh, it's it, yeah. teeny tiny and amazing in like prospect Lafayette's garden. And it's just like, feels like, Oh, the OG kind of like DIY indie music scene vibe. Uh huh. Yeah. There's a couple of those yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Right. Yeah. Cool. Well, this has been such a pleasure to get to know you. Thanks so much for talking to me about the, about hysteria and such. I mean, it's um, such an incredible journey that you've, that you've experienced so far that brought you to that album. I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm really, um, I'm really awestruck. That's just, um, it's, it's so beautiful. And, and, um, thanks for talking to me about it and, um, Mm -hmm. and talking to the, Roadcase listeners, I know really appreciated it. So yeah, thank you so much for asking such thoughtful questions. Well, thank yeah, yeah. yeah. I try, I try to do that from time to time. A couple <laughs> yeah. thoughtful, maybe I got a couple thoughtful ones in there, you know. Yeah. But you have such an interesting background; it was super easy, and I appreciate you being so open and honest. Well, yeah, open at least. I don't know how honest it was, frankly, <laughs> but that yeah. time will tell on that. Yeah, I can time only. Will tell. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt and say Thanks. that they were they were definitely open, in all likelihood, honest. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah. Mostly, mostly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mostly honest. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for being here, Indigo. It was a t- total yeah. pleasure. Thanks so much, Josh. Cheers. Yeah, appreciate yeah. it. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Well, that was me and uh, Indigo Spark having an, an, just an amazing chat. Really enjoyed learning more about her. Her recent album, Hysteria, was out on October 7th, and it's just absolutely wonderful. She puts so much out in terms of how she feels and what she feels inside of her and how that comes out. And it's such an integral part of her artistic expression. It was um, so enlightening to understand where that all comes from and to have just a open conversation with her and understand where, uh, what she's been through, where she's gone, where she's going, what her thoughts were just was, um, was really interesting, especially in light of this recent album that's just so wonderful. And if you have a chance, uh, visit her website. Uh, You can check out some of the videos that she did for this album. They're just absolutely spectacular and really give you uh, an interesting insight into what those songs are all about and what they mean for her. And of course, uh, touring those songs and performing those songs is an entirely uh, different aspect of 
being an artist. And, you know, while she recognizes that being on tour is incredibly difficult from both not only from a logistical perspective, but she also said uh, one of the things that surprised her is that you don't make a lot of money touring either. But uh, it was interesting to hear her talk about the development of those songs and what those became from the studio versions and getting those feelings out and working with Aaron Dessner in the studio and how those evolved into what became uh, her expression up on stage and performing um, and the difficulty that she had to do that. And uh, she goes through a lot of ups and downs and all those feelings come up. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, it appears that those songs uh, and playing those songs is quite therapeutic for her as it is for so many different artists, but touring is difficult and it's hard. And, uh, you know, I, f- I feel her for that. And uh, I really appreciate what she does and how she expresses her own uh, artistic self. And it's just absolutely wonderful. Uh, this latest album hysteric hysteria is really wonderful. And like I said, uh, she'll be out on tour uh, at the beginning of January for some headlining dates. You can go to her website for more information. And then she is touring in support of Nico Case in January and February. And you can find those tour dates on Nico's website. Uh, I definitely uh, really recommend you go out and see both of those artists. And uh, Indigo in particular is just absolutely really wonderful. Thanks again for being here for this episode, this first episode of 2023, episode 166. So glad that you're along for the ride. I really appreciate all of you for being here and for your continued support. And I want to send a very special thank you to Indigo Spark for being here on this episode of Road Case. Thanks again so much for listening. And I'd like to encourage everyone to get involved with Roadcase. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can email me at info at roadcasepod.com with questions, comments, and even suggestions for guests. Or you can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at RoadcasePod. And we have a YouTube channel called Roadcase Podcast. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you could please rate and review the podcast while you're there, that would be great. So I want to thank Waltzer for this awesome theme music that we have. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to Roadcase. We have a lot of great episodes coming up, so I'll see you on down the road. Mm-hmm.